Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony in Dakota podcast. We are here today <laughs> with Mr. David and Tony Moruski. <laughs> hello, hello. This is David Paul. Uh, no relation to Logan Paul. That's actually my, I, I, I hid my uh, identity because I didn't want my patients to find me. So it's David Rosenbeck. Yeah, David yeah, Paul's yeah. middle name. Oh, okay. I was like, dude, I was like, I didn't, I didn't even think about that being his last name. Yeah. I remember, but uh, I put it down wrong on the yeah. sheet. <laughs> he is a family nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're working at Parkview right now, right? I was working at Parkview. And you got a new opportunity? Yeah, I, I took a, a couple different switches. So um, I switched as of about three months ago away from Parkview. I was working in the Cancer Institute for like two and a half years over there um, with the GI. So uh, like pancreatic cancer, esophageal cancer, hepatocellular carcinoma, really nasty stuff. And I wanted to switch over to the ER because I know that you can do have like more traveling opportunities with that. And so switched over to the ER didn't really enjoy it all that much. And I was trying to figure out how I could travel, you know, in other ways, found a a new gig to where I can work remotely. And I've been doing that for the last three weeks now. And it's been fabulous. That's awesome. (laughs) We first came to know David through our real estate investors association, but then also uh, more recently, David sold us a fourplex that I didn't want. Dakota really wanted it. <laughs> he thought we were joking the it whole time. It was easy too. for me to negotiate because I was just like, dude, I really don't want this thing. Like Dakota's the one that wants Dakota it. Dakota and I were the only two that wanted it. Yeah. I feel like I feel like David thought we were messing with him too. I'm like, dude. I'm not kidding when I say the numbers don't make sense. I'm like, I'm straight up not lying. I'm like, the numbers legitimately do not make sense. I was like, well, I'll show you five different ways they don't make sense. I told my wife, I was like, I'm pretty sure either they're messing with me or they're the best negotiators ever because Dakota's saying absolutely not. And Dakota's saying, heck yes, let's do it. Yeah, you're like, are we playing they're good playing cop, good cop bad? Exactly yeah, right. Are we playing good cop, bad cop right now? I'm like, no, I'm being 100% real, dude. So then we saw David accidentally. We ran into him when we were in Minneapolis, Minnesota for VCon, mm-hmm. Gary V. We had the uh, NFT. I think you just got gifted a ticket, right? Uh, I was. I thought I was going to, but then I ended up buying one for way overpriced. Did you sell it yet? Uh, no. Should okay. I? Well, I think you get the Snoop Dogg <laughs> NFT drop if you don't sell oh, it. I haven't if been you paying. Wait. Ever since that, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth. I just forgot all about it. <laughs> well, I sold mine almost immediately after for like $600. Mm. Well, I, I spent like 5 k on mine. So that hurt, oh, hurt really bad. Hurt all really right. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you went to college. Yep. You became a nurse practitioner. Yep. What advice would you give to young people? Are you glad that you're in that position now? Are you glad that you're able to like make the kind of money that you can make? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that people should go to college or? Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely think people should go to college if they know what they want to go into. But I, my wife and I, we've talked about this. Like I'm not gonna push my kids in the slightest to go to college because I think it's it's insane how much it costs for one. And even like me, you know, getting a high paying job after I graduated is still, I, I racked up like 70K somewhere in that neighborhood of uh, student loans. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to have a, a good paying job. Uh, whenever I first started working at Parkview, it was my first NP job. I was making about 120 a year. And then, uh, which, you know, was good for what, you know, debt that I had on it. Um, but shortly after I got into it, I was like, I'm still just like, I saw so many miserable doctors then. Like, I, as a nurse, you don't really communicate with the docs all that much. But then once you're a nurse practitioner, you're kind of, you know, rubbing shoulders. You're working directly with them. And I just saw so many of them that were just miserable. They just, like, didn't want to be doing what they were doing, but they were stuck in it because they, you know, they did 17 years of schooling. I did seven. Um, and so then I started thinking about, like, other ways that I could potentially make my way out of it. And now I've slowly... Uh, got now into this remote job that I think something that I'll be able to hold on to a little bit longer. Mm. There, there are some doctors and some surgeons that like genuinely enjoy their jobs, but then there are some who don't. And so I kind of had some notes about like the mental and emotional Mm. stress of dealing with people who are dying, Mm. who are at the end of their lives, who have complications, Mm -hmm. who are on medications that Mm. might, uh, help, uh, their craziness, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, exaggerate that yeah. craziness a little bit. Yeah. So what is, what, why do you think that those doctors were unhappy 
And then uh, what is it like mentally and emotionally to be in that hospital environment mm. continually? I, I bet at least every doctor that was in my group that I worked with, the interventional GI group in the Cancer Institute, all of them except for one, um, they were they were from an Indian family. And so, I mean, that's just like a huge pressure. You have to be a lawyer, be a doctor, something like that. And I think that, you know, they, they get kind of pushed into these roles. And I, I saw a quote one time from a um, online about a doc and it said, yeah, I love being a doctor. The only uh, bad or the only downside is I have to deal with patients, you know, like, so yeah. it's, it, it is a super stressful job. And uh, that was, that was kind of one of the reasons that I got into real estate as well was because like I, I worked in a really nasty area, the cancer Institute and working with some of the nastiest cancers there are like pancreatic cancer, esophageal cancer, like top, top two for, you know, deaths and stuff like that. And I was wondering like, cause I saw so many people that would make it to 50, 55, 60, something like that. Like they're on the cusp of retirement and then they get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and you're going to be dead within two years. Like, there's just no doubt. Like it's going to happen. And I just, so many people, and like a lot of those guys were like my dad's age, my dad's getting close to retirement. And so I'm just thinking about like how devastating is that? I know my dad, he worked his ass off his entire life and he's, you know, getting close to retirement. I just can't imagine how like devastating that would be for somebody like that. And so I was thinking like, I always knew that I was not not going to be a good employee. I just like always wanted to um, figure out some way. I, I'm like the one of the most productive, lazy people there are. Like I'll work so hard to find a lazy way to do something. And so I just I went through all the schooling and everything like that. You know, did what I was supposed to do, but I knew that it wasn't going to like I wasn't going to do this for the next forty years. And so that's why I started really getting into real estate once COVID hit. Um, because COVID hit, I was only a nurse practitioner for like six months. And I was making like about a 120 a year, somewhere in that neighborhood. As and a practitioner? As a nurse practitioner, okay. yeah. And um, I didn't really see any change in my bank account. I was like, why? Like, why don't, what, what's happening? And so then we got stuck at home for like two or three months. And uh, I didn't really have that many patients. I was seeing some patients um, via telehealth, uh, but I just didn't build up that much of a patient load in six months. So I was only seeing like three or four patients a day. And so I was, I remember vividly sitting on the couch one day and I was like, I YouTubed what to do with my money in my twenties, you know, like, and found Graham Stephan at first and then quickly found out that he was into real estate. So then watched a bunch of his stuff and then got into bigger pockets then after that. And then, uh, really dug into everything after that. And, you know, I, and, and we were living back home about an hour and 20 minutes away. And so I had plenty of time to just devour podcasts, you know, driving two and a half hours a day. I was listening on one and a half speed and just cranking through. <laughs> yeah, yep. So a lot of knowledge really quick. Some people don't realize too, like in the medical profession, a lot of times your pay or like the hospitals pay, mm -hmm. what the money that they're able to acquire is, uh, contingent upon the reviews that you get oh, yeah. from the patients mm -hmm. who are going through some traumatic stuff. And yep. so they're supposed to rate your level of care. Yeah. It's like, well, if they give you a low rating and the hospital gets less money, how's the hospital supposed to like pick itself back up and yeah. become successful if they're only getting like two out of every five dollars? Yeah. They're yeah. just supposed to like train everybody a certain yeah. way and so, that sort of thing. A lot of hospitals, they're they're kind of trying to move towards that like you know uh based on your like they'll base your salary based on how patients are rating you and stuff like that just trying to like you know get people to provide better but uh, parkview wasn't like that like my my pay wasn't based on that and i don't know if any doctors fully are yet i think there's some docs that like a portion of their pay is based on that but i think that's kind of the way healthcare is starting to move a little bit but yeah yeah you're you're telling people they have a, a miserable diagnosis so yeah they're not not exactly thrilled to come back and see you and stuff so then you, know, you just it was a very good reality check for me all the time whenever I went into work that just like there's you, you got to go for stuff right now because I mean, we had multiple people. Actually, my next door neighbor, he's only 30 years old, um, was talking with him one night. We were drinking wild turkey and he was telling me that he's had really bad reflux for like ever. And I was like, you should probably get a scope done. And so he got a scope done with uh, with our group and they found esophageal cancer at 30 years old and they were able to remove it. And he's he's doing well now. Uh, but it's just like, man, yeah, stuff can happen really, really quickly. And that, that was at least a really good perspective for me in the healthcare field. Wow. It, it was from wild drinking wild turkey. I, I don't <laughs> think that was the cause, but <laughs> it probably didn't help. Yeah, probably didn't help. <laughs> 
So you got into real estate during the pandemic. You yes. just went back to your woman and you were like, listen, we need yeah. to buy houses because that's the best thing to do now that like yeah. everything, everybody's scared. Yeah. So yeah, Logan, my wife, she's incredibly supportive. Um, so I, we were already thinking about moving to Fort Wayne just because of my proximity to Fort Wayne, you know, hour and 20 minute drive was getting miserable. And so then once we started looking in Fort Wayne, we did like three or four months worth of solid looking. And I wanted to try and house hack something if possible. And we found our place in the 07. Well, actually Logan found it and uh, it'd been on the market for like 30 or 40 days, somewhere in that neighborhood. And it had a carriage house out back and then a main house is two bed, one bath, and then a one bed, one bath, 600 square foot carriage house. Carriage house was like, already redone, really nice, ready to go. Main house needed some renovation to it. And uh, so we put an off full price offer in on it. And then we ended up getting that property and lived in the carriage house for uh, like seven or eight months during a, a miserable rehab of a thousand square foot house and had a contractor. The, uh, the first guy is a nice little old man like in his 70s wearing a marine corps hat and he's like oh yeah yeah we should be able to get this done whatever and <laughs> ended up uh took like seventeen thousand dollars for him to tear out a wall and do some plumbing and that was it and fired him and because uh, he he convinced me that paying by the hour would be better than uh paying by the job and so i've obviously learned wow. a good lesson there and um yeah so we got into that property eventually seven eight months later and uh, now we're doing uh, medium-term rentals for both of them now that we've moved into a new place. That's awesome. Just for new people, talk about what house hacking is. So house hacking, you try and find a property that can make you some money instead of you just throwing money at it. So uh, we, we did, in my opinion, like a luxury house hack because we built a fence around the property. So we didn't even see anybody coming or going from the carriage house behind us. And our we bought it for 150 Mortgage was like 870 somewhere in that neighborhood only put five percent down on it because it was a residential loan and it, you didn't i know that some lenders they'll make you pay more if it's like a duplex or something like that so um and once we got it up and running our first tenant that we had inside there he was a worker for aep here in town and uh him and his wife they were paying us over two thousand dollars a month to stay in the carriage house mortgage was 870 something utilities for the carriage house were like 150 bucks a month or something so we were cash flowing crazy right out of the gate with that. And that um, was for like a short-term rental? Uh, we were doing, uh, I think they stayed for four months, somewhere mm -hmm. in that neighborhood. We've only done 30-day minimum stays. We've never done anything shorter than that. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Yeah, and then uh, just for any viewers out there, you can do that with a duplex, you can do it with long-term, you can do mm -hmm. it with triplex, you can do it up to four, I believe. Um, and yeah, it's a great way to like uh, not have a mortgage payment. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and like, we could obviously uh, pay the mortgage payment and stuff like that. Like I was making sure. good money, whatever. But I knew that just buying something for 5% down, two for the price of one essentially. And now um, now that we've moved into our new place, we moved in uh, like six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, something like that. Now both of them are medium term rentals, both of them renting for over $2,000 a month. And we're cash flowing like almost $3,000 a month on just that property alone, which yeah. is madness. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So how did you, you found your first deal because you were trying to house hack mm -hmm. uh, and it was on the market. Did you always find your deals on the market? Did you look into doing some direct to seller? Um, did you like buy from other wholesalers? Like how did you, how do you find your deals now? Yeah. Cause you sold us a fourplex. Yeah. How many yeah. deals, how many deals have you done uh, too? Like how many deals have you done or like how would you, cause like, is that the only one you wholesaled, right? Yeah, that's why okay, I wanted only wholesale. Yeah, <laughs> it was traumatic enough. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is not what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I always say that we like accidentally flipped our house back home, which we lived in Jay County, my wife and I, so we're born and raised and we bought a house we put a bunch of sweat equity into it we made like 20 dollars off of it and then as soon as we were ready to move to fort wayne and buy that other buy like the the place with the carriage house there was a college house that was up for sale and i really liked it found it on the mls they were wanting 91 grand for it and i was talking with another guy he was a infectious disease doc at uh, parkview randalia and he said that like you know the college rentals over by indiana tech are really good and it was a five bed two and a half bath house 91 grand and um so that's my only long-term rental that i have right now 
accidentally flipped a house back home, made like 20,000 off of it. And I took that 20,000, put it directly into everything with the Indiana Tech House. We didn't even touch any of that money, didn't see it, never hit our bank account, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> and then uh, came out of pocket to buy the place, uh, to buy the carriage house and uh, the main house. And then uh, wholesaled one property. Um, we've got one arbitrage that we're doing at an apartment up north next to Parkview. Um, we've got... Well, you, you got to describe the, what an oh, arbitrage is. Oh, so an arbitrage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, um, an apartment building that I reached out to, told them, hey, I'm a nurse practitioner at Parkview. There's a huge need for travel nurses at Parkview. Like we were, we were having hundreds that were coming in. Um, at one of our Parkview physician group meetings, whenever I was still employed there, um, they were saying that we were spending, I think it was like $13.5 million a month on travel nurses. So there was just tons of them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I knew that the need was there and I had a couple of my other properties. And so I reached out to this um, uh, the apartment complex up north and asked them if I could lease a unit under my LLC. And they said, yeah, sure, we, we do some corporate leasing, but we only allow a certain amount. And she said that they would give us one. So we have a one bed, one bath apartment. Um, rent for it, including everything, is like ten twenty three a month, um, plus utilities on top of that. But I'm renting it for nineteen fifty a month right now, so I'm making like a seven hundred dollars spread somewhere in that neighborhood with it. Yeah, and, and just so, to be clear, uh, you don't own it. Don't you own just it. Rent yeah, it. just rent it, but make sure you do it the right way to where <laughs> the people know exactly what you're doing, yeah. because a landlord will be very upset if you try and furnish a place and then rent it out from under them to, you know, short term rental, medium term rental, whatever. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars, and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. And so, yeah, yeah, don't own it. I just rent it. We've had three different maintenance requests. The washer went out, wasn't working right. We had a leaky sink and something else. Reached out to maintenance every time and they came out like apartment maintenance. They came out, fixed it, took care of everything. We were totally hands off with the whole thing. So it's been pretty nice. But the the big thing about arbitrage is that you don't build any equity, which is the big driver of wealth in real estate. And so it's just been a nice little cash flow accelerator for us. And it's not something that I would want to try and scale to some, you know, huge degree or anything like that. But it's just, you know, nice to get a little bit extra cash coming in. That's awesome. Yeah. Does your wife think that like you're super smart? She's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool that you figured this <laughs> no, out. No, she 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 knows the real me. She doesn't think yeah. I'm smart. <laughs> no, but she she's been absolutely fantastic. She for all of our medium term rentals that we do, she's furnished every one of them for us. She ran the rehab on one of the properties that we manage for another investor here in town. Um, and so managed the rehab, did all of the furnishings, took care of everything for it, and then she does the the heavy lifting on a lot of the management stuff and then just ask me questions as as needed for it but yeah That's it's awesome. been nice just having a yeah having somebody to help lighten the load because if i was going to target and doing all the crap she was doing i would not have done as many as what we've yeah. done <laughs> is it, does she work full-time too or is that what she does so she was working full-time at a factory and uh then eventually it got to the point where it's like why yeah, you too, know yeah. yeah you don't need to it would be more beneficial for me and you if you were just home taking care of stuff and like, you know, uh, putting out fires and, you know, answering Airbnb requests and stuff like that. And so, yeah, she's been just managing our rentals full time now and then uh, managing rental for uh, another investor here in town. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. So where are you guys planning to move to? So now that we've got this new remote job, uh, plan on uh, in two weeks from tomorrow, we'll be moving to Denver for a little over a month staying at an Airbnb two and a half miles from downtown Denver, 1800 bucks a month. So I'm, I'm renting off the people like I do to hey. other people, you know? And uh, so we'll stay in Denver for a little over a month and we're gonna be on the Oregon coast in Depot Bay for a little over a month. And then we're not really sure where we're gonna go after Oregon. Um, we're a little bit up in the air. We're not renting anything else because my wife, she actually had uh, quite a big, exciting opportunity. I'm sure you guys, you guys follow Brandon Turner on Instagram and everything else. Um, he posted that job listing of the uh, house assistant. And so I talked to my wife as soon as I saw it, screenshot it, sent it to her. And she was like, I can do that. And I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> and so I screenshot it, circled it, and I uh, DM'd Brandon Turner. And I said, hey, man, my wife's super interested because I'm part of his Behind the Beard text club. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, if you go to his website, you can be part of his tech club. He just sends out something every Wednesday. And um, so he sent it out there first. So I circled it, sent it to him, and he answered me back on 4th of July. I was at a 4th of July party, and I was, you know, messaging yeah. back and forth with Brandon Turner, and I was about – crap in my pants yeah that's <laughs> and, uh, awesome dude so if that would work out then we may be moving to maui for six 12 months something like that and logan could work with brandon turner and be uh the house assistant working for heather his wife and then i just get a secondarily uh no brandon turner by osmosis <laughs> yeah that's crazy yeah so that'll, that'll be very interesting to see how that all turns out so that's why we haven't planned anything past Oregon because they're my wife just got a um, email from HR at Open Door Capital saying they're reviewing um, applications right now and they said that we should have an answer sometime in the near future so dang be be interesting (laughs) that'd be so crazy you you might see our friend out there too we have a guy that's out there uh, Alex Camacho and he's good friends with uh, Brandon so dude if you get out there you have to let us know absolutely is that the island he's on too yeah he's on Maui yeah yep uh, are you going to continue to invest here in Fort Wayne? Are you thinking of like... Yeah, so my my plan, um, I've got a few docs that really want to invest with me. And um, what I think would be the best bang for my buck with them would be us finding a short-term rental together, like a higher-end short-term rental somewhere elsewhere other than Fort Wayne. And um, then we manage it. They're just a silent money partner, and we're you know partnering on the the short-term rental side of things. Um, but then I think the cash flow from all of that, I myself would start to build more of like a base layer of just like long-term rentals in Fort Wayne. That's what I think I would like to do because now I've got you know a little bit more volatility and potential risk with my entire portfolio essentially being long-term rent or uh, medium-term rentals, other than the college house. And so I'd like to build a little bit more of just a, a safe base of long-term rentals once things move forward a little bit more. Well, you were real certain about Airbnbs when we were negotiating. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I was. He's like, no, there's no way. There's no volatility there. Like, dude, this thing's going to cash flow so much money, you're never going to lose it's all, money. It's all part of the dance, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, bro, this is the greatest deal ever. I just don't want it. Yeah, yeah. I want you to have the time for it. Yeah, I want you to have this yeah. deal. Man. I, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a learning uh, process for me, though. I shot myself in the foot. I should have. I got a deal from another guy in town, and I would have made $11,000 more on the wholesale. But I was very glad to give it to you guys instead. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be a nice Airbnb. It'll be cool. Absolutely. Yeah. You I just hope, showed me pictures just a little bit ago. It looks awesome. Yeah. I, hope it, job. I hope it works out. Absolutely. I think it will. I have confidence in it. I have full faith in it. Yeah. Tony's the only one that does yeah, it. Yeah, Tony's the only one that uh, is like, yeah. He just did the math on it. The math doesn't make sense. <laughs> the only way it makes sense is for Airbnbs. And if you listen to all the investors right now, you know what they say? Don't buy something unless it yep. makes sense for long-term rentals. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm like, yeah, and, let's just do it. Yeah, and I think, I think everybody who's like in our masterminds and stuff like that is like, dude, your houses are so cheap that like I would buy everything in your market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 But like what I think too, like even with my medium term rentals that I have, like every one of them would cash flow as a long term rental. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I needed to cut my price by five hundred, seven hundred dollars a month, which would be huge, I'd still be making three, four hundred dollars more than what I would as a long term yeah. rental and still making, you know, pretty good money with it. So I, I feel like as long as you know you're buying somewhat smart then you're you're gonna still be doing pretty good with that yeah i will say that uh the neighbor um i can't remember his name but uh the neighbor that owns a bunch of properties in town he did uh call and say i'm interested he wanted to buy it oh really yeah and i'm like dude you should have seen how many people like there's a couple people that hit us up to purchase it afterwards really but that's how people usually are whenever you go to wholesale properties Mm -hmm. it has to be a very good deal like obvious very obvious that one yeah they didn't they didn't even know the condition either yeah like they were calling just to be like hey uh i really wanted to buy that and it's like 
But you it's didn't. been up for like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's been up for a long time. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I made the mistake of posting it. I'm, I'm part of another Facebook group called mm. My First Million in Multifamily. And so I posted it in there as well and then got a um, uh, a message from Drew Wired. He was saying, hey, there's a guy that I know from like South Carolina that just said that there's somebody trying to daisy chain your deal. And daisy chaining means like, you like I'm trying to wholesale this property. They say they'll give me X amount, which is you know a few grand over, and then they try to sell it for a few grand over. And uh, so then I was obviously furious. And then I I never once thought it was you guys, just for the record. You did it? And, no, I didn't. But I was just like I'm not gonna answer anybody for a little bit until I yeah. figure out what's going on. And uh, then found out that it was a guy in that my first million in multifamily, and I lit him up a little bit, and then uh, blocked him on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, dude. Talk about talk about uh, how the seller was freaking out too uh, because that's the thing is like so if you guys are wholesaling yeah. properties you know and then you go and send this out and you're not sending it out to trustworthy people and you're yep. sending it out to everybody yep. then yeah people will do that they'll just go and they send it out then it somehow comes back around hey isn't yep. this your property yep. or they post it on facebook or something mm-hmm. and then they see it and then they're upset so like if you don't set proper expectations with them or know how to handle it dude yep. the whole deal could blow up yeah. so talk about what he said yeah that was my my first ever wholesale did a lot of things that i screwed up on and I mean, I, I told, originally I did want to purchase the property myself. Right. And then eventually got to the point where I was like, no, cause I mean, I first reached out to him six months before I even contacted you guys. And at that time really wanted to buy the property. And uh, he told me some like two thirty or something like yeah. that, which is like way over. And uh, so I said, no, no thanks, you know, whatever. And then he reached back out to me, said he wanted to sell. And then that was whenever Logan and I were planning on traveling and stuff like that. And I was like, I, well, I just don't have time for it. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try wholesale. And uh, so I said, yeah, still interested in buying. And then we negotiated, came to a price. And then I started, you know, talking to some of the people in the Fort Wayne real estate group. And um, then, yeah, somehow got back to him. I'm not 100% sure how it did. But he was upset that he said, I thought you were buying the property and then somebody else is buying it. And I was like, well, I mean, like I, I uh, am technically partnering with them to somebody's going to come. I bring them the deal. They take the deal down. And that's just, you know, how we do this process. And he was pretty upset about it. I thought he was almost going to bail out on me. But, um, you know, we already had a, a signed purchase agreement and stuff like that. And then I said, listen, you were more than happy to take the, you know, because I, I figured up what his... Um, purchase price was, I mean, I saw it on the tax records and then on a 15 year note and a 30 year note, depending on what he had on it, I said, you're either going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of 50,000 to $150,000 on this property. Like, do you still want to go forward with the deal or not? And he didn't really answer me back, but he never did not go through yeah. with the deal. So he was, he was upset and that was, yeah, that was my fault. You know, I should have been maybe a little bit more straightforward with him on exactly how I was going to go forward with the process. But I um, mean, it, it doesn't always have to. And like, I mean, I think you still described it well, as long as you have a, a reason of why you're like, hey man, we're still planning on moving forward with it. Nothing's yeah. changing. Exactly. Like, that's what I was trying to explain to him is nothing's changing on your end. Yep. You're still getting the same amount of money. We're still gonna close in the same time frame, yep. and nothing is gonna change yep. on your end because that's our agreement. Yeah. Um, so I think that's always good to remind them of. But like, if you could go back and do it all again, and like you know, talking to like mm-hmm. newbies mm-hmm. Um, or new people who are trying to get into real estate investing, yeah. wholesaling, flipping, what would you have done differently? Yeah. So. I think if this would have just been like my initial mindset would have been I'm going to wholesale this property like because you know I was thinking I was going to buy it I mean I talked to him then that I was going to buy it you know so he had that expectation that he was going to buy it so if I was strictly going at it from a wholesaling perspective I would have talked to him more about like hey this is what I do I find properties I partner up with a a select few group of people that are cash buyers that like to buy properties and they either hold on to them, they flip them or they do something along those lines. But my job is to make this process super easy for you. And we get a cash offer for you that, you know, you can just walk away, no problems, no questions asked. Um, But since that was a little bit of a unique situation, since I was going to buy it, that was the expectation up front. And then I decided to wholesale later on because, you know, my situation changed. Then that that just, you know, his expectations were I was going to buy it. And then he was saying, why is somebody else even involved in this process at all? So, yeah, if I was wholesaling it from the beginning, I would, you know, just be up front. And you don't, you don't have to say, hey, I'm going to wholesale this property. Just say, hey, I've got some partners that I work with regularly that they are going to bring the money to the table. I'm going to bring the deal to the table. They're going to take it down and you're going to get paid no matter what. And like the, nobody's going to you know, scoff right. at that. Yeah. Yep. Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari Simply has been the best. 
Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. How did you happen upon that one? Like, how did you find out about it? Uh, we lived in the 07 and I drove by it for five months until I finally just called the guy while I was at work one day. Because I was wow. like, uh, I told I told my wife, I was like, I want that thing bad. And I, I wanted it for months and months and months. And then finally I called him and it ended up that I was talking to his wife. And his wife, they live down in, I think, Oklahoma or something like that is where mm -hmm. they're at. And um, but she used to be a midwife at Parkview. So, you know, we already had that connection. You know, we were talking, whatever, had great rapport with them. And um, and then uh, but they wanted too much at that time. That was the six months prior. And uh, so, yeah, I was just driving for dollars, made a cold call. And, and then eventually I didn't even follow up with where I think I maybe like three or four months into that after that initial contact. I think I shot him a text, just said, hey, if you're still interested in selling, let me know. And uh, I don't even know if I got a message back from him, but it just goes to show like, you know, just put feelers out and eventually something will come back. I, th I think that we messaged him maybe like or I messaged him or he gave us a call off of a letter that we sent him or something okay. like that. And at the time, Dakota and I were extremely conservative, more conservative than we are now. Yeah. And uh, I think we were paying like 30K a unit or something like that. Oh, and then he told me it had some <laughs> issues. So I was like, okay, so 120 minus the work it needs. I'll give you 80,000 for it. And he was like so offended. And yeah. I was just like, mark him off the list. So yeah. we just kind of like took him out of our possible well, people. His initial ask for me was 235. And I'm like, you're crazy, man. Like, I don't, I, there's no way that's going to be possible. So, yeah. And he, yeah. he needed to come down to reality for a few months. How, how did you uh, negotiate that then? So did you just like, hey, man, unfortunately, mm -hmm. those numbers don't work for me? Or like, what did you specifically say to negotiate? Um, really not too much. Uh, I think whenever he came back to me, I think he came back with 175 maybe or something like that. And um, then I went and walked the property. His daughter lived on the property, so I walked it with her and like you know saw some obvious issues that were going on and um so i said you know this is what i can do i was trying to get him at 150 and uh then he came back we just kind of did a little bit of back and forth but like really I, i'm too nice of a guy i'm just not a good negotiator man i'm just not like you guys probably well know but i just i don't know just you not, negotiated not, hard with us <laughs> that's because i needed to make money on it <laughs> i was gonna be under if you guys were giving me your original deal yeah well we we always like to make sure that people are still making money but sure, like, obviously yeah. our goal is to like buy them for as little as possible yeah. and yeah. we try to buy them where the numbers make sense so that's usually like our way of explaining it to other people yeah. like hey here's where her numbers are and here's what makes sense and like we were giving you very legitimate oh, numbers for sure, yeah. but we do that same thing with sellers it's like hey look like i know that you guys don't give a crap about us yeah but we need to at least show you like where we're coming from. So mm -hmm. you know that we're not just like pulling this number out of nowhere and yeah. just trying to like, you know, rip you guys off. Yep. We are literally trying to be conservative here. So I just For wasn't sure. sure if you use that same tactic on him or. Um, I mean, I, I was telling him that it's probably going to need a hundred grand worth of rehab is what I was estimating on. And I'm just, you know, not a, I've only done at that time, my terrible rehab on my own house, which I got ripped off by the old Marine Corps man. And then, um, I, nothing I against the Marine Corps yeah, or anything. Definitely just nothing against the Marine man. Corps. <laughs> <laughs> just, just that grumpy old man. Yeah. Yeah. And I found him on Angie's list of all places. He was number one on Angie's list. I'm oh like, my oh, gosh. sure, this has got to be okay. And yeah, yeah whatever. But um, He's friends with Angie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget where we're going with that. Wait, so you're talking about the rehab, about 100000 Oh, yeah, yeah. I was telling him it's probably going to need like a hundred grand worth of rehab to get it up to where I wanted it to be. Because I know that the area is going to appreciate with, you know, GE being nearby. I wanted it to be, you know, like like an A property so that, you know, you're going to get some of the best of the best, you know, in the in the coming future. And so I knew I didn't want to like do it halfway and then have to redo things in the future. And so I was being high end on my my rehab estimates. But no, I, think, um, I think you're spot on. So so far we have put uh, 50 plus the um, washer dryer plus the paint. Um, and then we haven't even finished the other two units either. And then uh, we still have to fix the roof leak. Yeah. So we're probably like, we're probably 65 in and we yeah. probably got another 30, 20, 25 to 30 left to go. And that roof go. is an interesting roof too. It's a concrete roof mm -hmm. um, versus a traditional rubber roof where mm -hmm. it's like, oh, just tear it off, put a new one on. Yeah. Or like, I don't know how to fix that exactly, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah, somebody but, will figure it out. So no, you're you're pretty spot on on your numbers. Oh, that's good. Right. Yeah, 
I'm, I actually wish you were wrong. I, I, was, I was hoping to get it done a little bit less. I was like, come on, let's yeah. get it done like a little bit cheaper. But like yeah. after we get all the numbers back, like just like you said, we want to make it nice and we want to do it the right way. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let's just spend the money, like yeah. make it like pretty good. Um, yeah, dude, you have to you have to come by and yeah. see it. The thing I fell in love with that property was whenever I went in the basement and it was just like yeah. 18 so inch thick concrete walls yeah. in the basement, super dry. And I'm like, this thing's gonna live. It's gonna outlive me. Like you know, this thing's gonna last forever. So that was what really drew me to it. Was that's the reason I wanted it so bad because I knew it would last forever as long as you treated it well. Yeah. yeah, that's what I like about it. I was like, dang, we don't have any. We don't have very many multi units either. So yeah. I was like, I really like it. I like that it's by GE. Yep. Um, solid building. I mean, now it looks. It's gonna look freaking beautiful. Yeah. So I'm like super excited for yeah. it. Yeah. I timed it. I think it was like a, a seven minute walk from the front of it to GE. So. I mean, yeah, it'll be it'll be great in the future. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why everybody, if you guys pass on that deal. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> we're with you. We just took the risk anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Didn't make the sense for anybody. Yeah. It doesn't. I literally said that. I was like, bro, <laughs> if nobody's buying it, yeah, that means it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're selling me on how good of a deal this is. Yeah. But I'm like, if it's that good of a deal, if you present it, uh, to a bunch of people and there's like an amazing deal yep. somebody will jump like this yep. and so that's actually one of the la one last point on that we got to go on to something else we've been talking about this deal <laughs> for a while but one last point I want to make is like whenever uh, you have somebody that's willing to pay you more money and you're profitable you should take that like right away absolutely and then like uh, it's very important to know if you're making money and like we actually heard Rick Ross talk about that at uh, 10x growth con one time and Andrew I was explaining to him Andrew's like yeah man like if it's like a you're trying to make an another couple thousand dollars like don't do it and Andrew thought that meant whenever you're buying I'm like no just so you're you know that's not when we're buying I'm like you don't go over what you're estimating on when you're buying it that's when you're selling if, yeah. if somebody offers you something and you're profitable and you're making around what you think you just need to take that yeah. offer yeah. and take it right away because otherwise like it can cost you money or that person comes back and like we've learned that before it's like it's important to know when you can maximize and when you can't but like dude whenever we're profitable mm -hmm. like just take it and yeah. let's go yeah, if, yeah. If unless I, it's on the, the mls and then yes you can, yeah you can yeah. fiddle frick around a little bit a little bit <laughs> but yeah. still like imagine if you said no to somebody and then and then they come back and you're like dang because like yeah we've done it before and we have lost money that way i remember one in bluffton we uh we bought it for 3500 we listed it for uh 20 some thousand the guy offered 15 cash and I said, nah, we can't do it. When I went back to him like a week later, he said, uh, I, I'll do 10. I'm like, you kidding me? Mm. It's been a week, bro. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, I don't even want it. I'll, we'll do 10. We couldn't get anybody else to even buy it. So I'm yeah. like, yeah. you know what? We're profitable. I'm not going to do this twice. So yeah. I was like, let's just do it. So but that first guy that I reached out to, the very first person who offered me the, the better deal, and then I was like, eh, you can talk I, numbers. Tell, tell, how much yeah. were you making if you would have sold him that? So I would have made seventeen grand if I would have just went yep. with him right off, right out of the gate. And then I first ever wholesale, pretty new in real estate. I'm still new in real estate. Got just a little greedy because I was in love with the place. You know, I'd been dreaming about it for months, and I'm like, I bet I could get a little bit more. So then I started, you know, shopping around. But he, I mean, he's smart business guy. He was like, I'll give you this right now, but if you advertise it to anybody else, the deal's gone. Mm. And so I was willing to risk it because I thought I would be able to get more and then started sweating because I couldn't find anybody else. And so then, yeah, I had to start beating down doors and then finally LTD came in and saved my rear. Is that, <laughs> is that uh, this is his uh, initials JF? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say that sounds like something he would say. No, no. no, but he then. Don't advertise to anyone else. I went back to him towards the end and uh, before we, we had come to any agreement, and uh, he said that he was like, now he came down to 160. And I think, what, what did we, I mean, I don't even remember, was it 163, I think? It was something like that. Something yeah. like that. It so yeah, like, he yeah, would have been, yeah. been below even what everybody else was agreeing to. So yeah, wow. just goes to show like, that, that's, that's like a hunting analogy that I always hear. I, I like to hunt and everybody says, don't pass up on a buck on the first day mm. that you'd be happy to have on the last day. And so, so true with this. If I like, I would have, crapped my pants if I would have got a $17,000 check, but I got, you know, a little bit distracted by thinking I could maybe get a little bit more, but on the last day I would have been thrilled to have it. So I should have, should have taken that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but that's, a, I mean, it's a great learning opportunity. Absolutely. Cause like, dude, yeah. like 
if you're making a lot of money, just freaking take it, take move it. on to yep. the next one. And then you would have probably been more, you probably would have been more motivated yeah. <laughs> to stay in the wholesaling probably properties if you had made yeah. 17,000. You'd be yeah. like, all right. This is great. I'm doing yeah, this. For the amount of time that you had invested yeah, yeah, yeah. in it, too. Yeah. Let's do that again. a couple phone calls, and that was about it. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Tell us a little bit about, are you stacking cash now? Or are you like planning to, because you want to buy real estate here in the near future. Yeah. So what, uh, what kind of real estate are you looking to buy? Are you going to try and house hack again? Like, so wife and I, we, we got past our 12 months at our old primary residence with the carriage house. And so every 12 months you can buy a new primary residence with a primary residence loan, 5% down, excuse me. And so, um, I knew that I was going to buy something else. I knew that I wanted it to be something that would be good for a rental. Like we're not looking for our forever house yet. And uh, found some townhomes up in Huntertown. And I was working at Parkview still at the time and talked to the builder of the company, walked through them. They weren't quite built yet. And, you know, it seemed like it was a really nice place, be an awesome rental in the future. And uh, so went with that. And then I was talking with a friend of mine and trying to see if he wanted to buy the other half of the townhome because it's a, basically a duplex but you buy, you know, one portion of the town home. And mm-hmm. so you get half of it. And, uh, and so I was talking with my buddy, Alex, who is at the, yeah. the um, VCon. And I told him he should buy the other half. And he was working with Teachers Credit Union. And Teachers Credit Union told him that, hey, this would actually apply for a USDA loan if you wanted to. But she said she doesn't like messing with USDA loans, but somehow she like kept it on their books or submitted it through Freddie or something like that to where I got that house for 0% down and they, I had to put 3% down just to hold the property with the builder. And so I got paid like $4,000 at the closing table to get a $230,000 three bed, two and a half bath, brand new townhome. And um, 12 months from three weeks ago, four weeks, well, six weeks ago, somewhere in that neighborhood, plan on just buying something else like that. You know, it's an amazing way to build, you know, properties every 12 months, put a low down payment on a primary residence that you know would be a good rental in the future. And we actually, now that we're going to be traveling around some, um, we put it up on Airbnb, you know, it's fully furnished, everything else. Got a travel nurse, her spouse, a kid, and then I think another travel nurse or something. She didn't really explain it. Um, but they're renting it for almost $2,800 a month. Wow. And we'll be cash flowing somewhere in the neighborhood of like eight, $900 a month off of the brand new build that should, fingers crossed, hopefully have no issues right. whatsoever. So, um, but that didn't really answer your question. It kind of did, but like buying new stuff, sitting on cash. I mean, I'm just trying to build cash. We like all of my real estate has been done in the last 18 months of everything that I've done. And we furnished every single place that we've done. My wife and I, we figured it up today. We've put together 10 bed frames together and bought Jeez. 10 beds and just like all this, it, it, we've been hemorrhaging cash for quite a while. And so it's going to be yeah. nice to just build some yeah. cash back up. We don't really have any plans other than if a partner wants to come in, like a money partner to buy like an Airbnb, um, then we would be looking into that. But that's really the only thing I got on the horizon for the next six, 12 months. And are you going to get on like the HOA there? Like, are you going to start the HOA and be like, Airbnbs are definitely allowed forever? (laughs) 100% (laughs) allowed. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's a tiny little place Drayton's reserve. There's only like, uh, less than 20 houses out there, like all together counting townhomes and it's in, one cul-de-sac that's surrounded by another addition. So there's no possibility that they're going to like add on to it or anything. And so I don't, I don't think an HOA would be any issue. And even if they are, I only do medium term rentals. So the yeah. chances of them saying, Oh, you can't rent to people, you know, it has to be a 90 day rental or something like that is going to be very low. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy too, because a lot of people don't think about like whenever they hear your story, they're like, dude, this guy's a doctor. He's like got all this stuff. Like you're just freaking like got money freaking everywhere, yeah. you know? And same thing with us. People are like, man, like where do you get all this money from? It's like, you find it, you figure yeah. it out. Like we don't have money. We mm. don't have it like in our bank account or anything yeah. like that. It is literally everywhere. Dispersed. You, Yeah, you're, you're furnishing the uh, properties. So like for us, I don't know what our average is, honestly. Jacinda mm. probably knows more than us, but mm. what would you say the average Airbnb for you guys uh, cost and like how did you find mm. all this stuff and like how did you furnish it? Did you go to garage sales? Did you buy it all new? Or? Mm, so my wife did all of that essentially, but we got better and more streamlined as we went. Our very first one that we did, 
it was it was a one bed one bath um, that probably was about eight thousand somewhere in that neighborhood. But our most recent one, whenever we did the arbitrage of the apartment up there, is one bed one bath, and we got that down below five thousand dollars. Wow. And it's well done. Everything's brand new. Nothing from secondhand stores. Nothing from thrifts like Target, Costco, and Amazon. We we and we we wanted to do it specifically like that to where. Anything breaks, anything goes out, anything like, you know, they ruin the towels or something like that. We just ship the towels to our cleaner and she'll be able to bring the new ones in there. And it's the exact same things that we've had. So we have a whole Amazon cart that's just labeled Airbnb. And it's got everything that we normally use inside there. Wow. And so we can just go in there. And then if we come upon another property that we want to do it with or somebody wants us to manage another one or something like that, we just go in there, buy the whole cart get it all shipped to the house. We don't have to go shopping and it makes life so much easier. Dude, that's a, that's a great tip. I'm going to ask Jacinda if she does that now, because <laughs> I, I don't know if she like, uh, has a specific one like that, but that's a great idea. Yeah, just that way it's just streamlined. If you're going to plan on doing more then bam, just like make a list. Yeah. yeah. I think you can do the wish list too, with like Amazon too. Yep. So yep, there, exactly. there ought to be ways to build those lists out. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and, uh, targets actually got a lot of furniture too, that you can buy. Like my wife, she's bought multiple couches from target chairs, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then, the Zenus mattresses are fantastic, like $400, $500. My wife and I, we bought a king size bed for our place, like 600 bucks. And it is the most comfortable mattress I've ever slept on. Gets wow. shipped to your door in a box. You buy a frame for 120 bucks off Amazon. That looks really nice. It's a nice like wrought iron frame that you put together. And yeah, it, I think it's, those are the ones that just send device. You can, nice. you can basically furnish an entire house between target and Amazon. Like uh, you don't need anything else yep. and, and you can ship everything too. You don't even need to go to target. You can buy things off yeah. Amazon and have it or target and have it shipped to you. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll say, cause I feel like uh, a lot of people though, they hear the numbers and they're like, man, this is going to be great. It's going to be so easy. It's like, well, you have to like get the money from somewhere or like put it on a credit card or oh, take yeah. a tiny bit of risk. You yeah. know, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to go get a rental and then mm -hmm. I'm going to throw some lawn chairs in there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so just want to at least give people the whole context of the situation. Yeah. It's not like you're like putting one, you rent one, and then you go and put somebody in there and then now you're making the difference. Yeah. Like you do have to put a little bit of oh, yeah. uh, sweat equity and uh, some yeah. cash. Yeah, because I, I have the, the Mint app where it tracks finances and yep. stuff like that, you know? It's all messed and up. And so, oh my God, yeah. But in 2021, like between my salary, because that my, the 120 was like my base salary. And then I could make more on top of that based on how many hours I worked. And then my wife, she was still working full-time at the factory, making like 22 or 23 bucks an hour, something like that. And we burned through $172,000 in 2021. And that was just building in between, you know, down payments and lease payments, mortgage payments, all this other stuff, but then furnishing everything. I mean, we went through a ton of money yeah. and just like, like, yeah, everybody thinks like, oh, David's an NP is making really good money. You're like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, like my it's bank spent. account's empty. Yeah. Yep, spent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause even like we, we, uh, body or got a chase Sapphire car cause it's good for travel points. That's yep. what my life, wife and I love to do is travel. And so, yeah, we've got like over a thousand dollars worth of airline dollars that we can use. And so we plan on like, if we need to go out for an interview in Maui, we're going to just yep. use our chase Sapphire points That's and get awesome. free tickets out there. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. How is your relationship with your wife? You guys have been married for a while Ooh, now, yeah, like a so, minute now. So we we met. I was a sophomore, junior in high school. She was a junior, senior in high school, and met she's older. Yep, she's okay. got, got a cougar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's Call a one. year older than me. Um, yeah, been together that entire time. We got married as soon as I graduated from nursing school in 2016, and uh, yeah, it, it just helps immensely whenever you've got somebody that's on board. I mean, I've always had big things that I was trying to do and stuff like that. And she's known that ever since I was younger. I mean, I was telling her senior year in high school that I was going to go to like Thailand for two months and just, you know, kind of screw around or whatever, just like go do something. And so she's always been used to my big ideas. She's always been extremely supportive. So that's, that's a huge thing. Cause I can't, I, I've never had to where like, you know, you hear on podcasts all the time. We're like, how do you convince your spouse to get on board with real estate investing? And it's like, I've been fortunate enough. I haven't had to deal with that. You know, she's been on board with it. And so that's been really nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So why, why real estate? What's your why? I couldn't find anything else that's made more sense. I mean, it's just, it's the, uh, especially after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, that's the gateway drug for everybody. And uh, after I listened to a bunch of podcasts, after I listened to Graham Stephan, then listened to Bigger Pockets, heard everybody talking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I read that. And then after I read it, I was like, yep, well, I'm, I'm, 
completely sold. I mean, like stocks, stocks are crap right now. Crypto, I've been investing in crypto, but <laughs> my, my Robinhood account looks like garbage, you know, it's down to nothing. And like, I just knew real estate was super tangible. I knew that Fort Wayne was a fantastic market for it because it's growing and it was just something that I knew that I could make work and I knew I could figure out. Like it, it's, it's, it's relatively simple. It's, it's, um, not hard, but it is hard work. That's what Rob always, Rob Abasola, Rob, he always says that on his YouTube channel. Like it's not hard, but it is hard work. And so I knew that I'd be able to, you know, put in the hard work to figure it out. Yeah. You're mentioning a lot of different podcasts and books and that sort yeah. of thing. What are some ones that you'd recommend to people? Um, just really started? the only real estate podcast that I listen to other than the LTD group is, <laughs> uh, is bigger pockets. That's really the only one I listen to. Um, but I, I, was following uh, Rob Abasola, who's the new Bigger Pockets co-host. I was following his YouTube channel like two years ago, whenever he only had like five thousand subscribers or something like that. So, been big fan of his the whole time. So, if um, he had come out with an NFT, you would ha you would have it. Uh, potentially, I almost bought a Tyke. I, I still am on the fence with uh, only with one. Probably just one. Oh, I'm still man. I'm still uh, hurt from uh, the NFT conference. I just, oh, I just yeah. <laughs> you can still sell it. Yeah, I, I need no. I'm gonna hold on to the thing until it maybe makes me a little <laughs> bit of my my initial investment back. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, real estate was just it, it made so much sense to me. Like it was just something that was easy for my brain to grasp. I guess. Good deal. So, what would you say is your biggest struggle right now? Hmm. So yeah, I would say cash and finding good deals and. I say cash with some reluctance because I have docs that want to invest with me, but I just don't know the best way to deploy it and the best way to go about it, the best way to partner. I mean, that would be total foreign waters for me, you know, partnering on a deal and trying to figure all of that out and making sure that it worked. And if I was going to partner, it'd be on like a, a big short-term rental deal. And so the way that I'm trying to get past that is um, Rob, he actually has a... Um, a mastermind groups 12 month mastermind called host camp and it's for airbnb people and um like he goes through step by step of partnerships that's how he started was partnering with some money partners that's how he really got things rolling for him and so been thinking about buying that it's been a reminder that's popped up on my phone every day for like the last month and i just can't get myself to pull the trigger because i did an interview with them like the interview before you like get into the mastermind and stuff and at that time it was only 2500 and i still have the email that i can go through the link to buy it for 2500 but now it's five grand, like fifty five hundred. Now that he's the co-host for Bigger Pockets, I'm sure the demand's gone up quite significantly. And so I'm hoping that I could still buy it for twenty five hundred. But I just haven't got myself to pull the trigger on it. And I don't know why. And you're I know. About I don't it. know why I'm, yeah. I'm I'm waiting on it. I don't know why. Bro, we spent twelve thousand to be part of Ryan Pineda's mastermind oh. the first when it when he was smaller than he is now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now the price to join is like twenty four thousand a year. Mm. So and. and I can tell you that what we've made by implementing like just the changes yeah. is like ridiculous. Well, and, and just like communicating with other people that are doing what you're wanting to do. Cause I you're like going to go to another level. Yeah. Cause I, I think like trying to think about with the future, like what, what would I want my portfolio to look like? What would I want things to look like for me? My wife and I both enjoy Airbnb. I think it would be cool to have, like, I would be something I would enjoy having a portfolio of like cool short-term rentals that are all over the country. You know, that yeah. would be something I would enjoy. And so that's definitely the route that I need to go. And I was Bro. thinking about it before we left. I was like, by the end of this podcast, they're going to convince me to buy yeah, those cash. <laughs> Join that freaking thing, dude. Yeah, yeah, just, just for everybody listening, always do the course, always do the coaching, yeah. always do the seminar, yeah. always do the mastermind. You can decide if it was worth it afterwards, but for the most part, it's going to speed up time because it's uh -huh. going to take you from where you are to where you want to be faster mm -hmm. with new resources. I think Silas Norris said, don't blame your resources, blame your resourcefulness, mm -hmm. but like getting into a mastermind with people, they already have all the resources that you need. Exactly. It's like, it's like uh, getting the mushroom in Mario, you know, like <laughs> you're just instantly, you're instantly more powerful because yeah. of the people you have around you. Yeah. And like all the questions that I have about like doing a big short-term rental deal with a money partner would all be able to be answered in there with the, cause he has yeah. his own private Facebook group. It's uh, all private right. Get your phone group. out. Get <laughs> your know, credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I will buy it after this podcast. Yeah, I, I definitely would. And, yeah. and I, I always tell people to do it. 
like no matter what it is like there's gonna be some value there's gonna be yeah. something that you get like there will be the benefits and if nothing else you're literally getting put in the room with other people who are doing it yeah. and and like dude i just got off the phone with uh um the Bokley brothers who flip a million dollar freaking mansions out in vegas mm. because of the group of ryan pineda yeah. and now he's helping me to like structure like a pay scale for the project manager that we're trying to bring on so like you get connected with these people that like only do things like that yeah, because they're willing to grow yeah and they help you with things you didn't even know you needed help exactly. with. exactly yeah. you didn't even yeah. know because like we were going this way and then after joining ryan pineda's course we started going this way now we were going towards the rental route yeah. and then now we're going more towards the flip and active business but then getting the right people in place which is making us significantly more money having better relationships with because we get to connect with these people yeah. and we get to like give them opportunities that they didn't have so like that's super rewarding yeah for too. sure so it's like getting in that program like changed our lives mm. in a positive way and i think that no matter what you join you're going to get around other people and do for 2500 i know i know i don't know why i'm like hurting so bad to do it it's yeah, like, like one, one month of cash flow or, or from the carriage five, house is basically even five grand yeah, dude, would still even, be okay yeah. hey yeah. if here let's make a freaking deal right now let's say the price is five grand mm. Do it anyway. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll post on LTD's Facebook group after this, showing that I bought it. I, yes. I promise, I'll do it. Perfect, dude. I'll say, even if it goes up, it's yeah. still it's it's gonna be worth it. Uh, yeah. And I I told my wife this like how many times? It's like there is like a zero percent chance that this is not gonna make me ten times yeah. what I pay for it. But I don't know for some reason I've just been sitting on it and I don't know why. Dude, I mean, and I, I mean realistically we need to figure out why so we can help other people because that's yeah. what a lot of people struggle with i feel yeah. like is the indecision um and like not deciding to go do something you don't even know why it's like yeah eh, it's not really that much money like i know it's going to make me more money but why do i not do it and yeah. like the fear i don't know well yeah and, and like in my my brain i'm like well we're not ready to like pull the trigger on buying anything yet with the doc so i mean i could probably push it off a little ways because then you know it's only a 12 month course so then mm -hmm. i'll have more time like you know being useful but i'm like you're telling me that i wouldn't need like you know four months of prep time with these guys learning from them you know like I, i've already yeah argued with myself a million times about it so yeah i'm ready to buy it that's awesome good <laughs> so uh this is usually our last question. I, you, yeah. you, if you've watched other episodes of the podcast, you'll know this question. Uh, but uh, 60 mm, years from now, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't watch it all the way to the end. Yeah. I just watch the first 10 minutes. <laughs> like, <it's>, oh, <laughs> you wanted me to prove that I watched I was <laughs> <laughs> The billboard, correct? Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. 60 years from now, you get a billboard or a message to the world, a final message. It's your legacy. It's your thoughts, a sentence, a mantra, a paragraph. What knowledge do you think that the world needs? What What would you like your yeah. legacy to be? So the wife and I were thinking about this one today, actually, and I was, I didn't, I didn't really come up with a, a good answer, other than just like, don't sit there and just like let everything pass by. Like, be more intentional, intentional of how you want your life to go by. Because like me, I knew there's a 0% chance, especially after I worked with all these cancer patients and like they're, you know, like they've worked their life away and then they can't even retire. They can't even enjoy their life because they were thinking they would enjoy their life afterwards. Like I want to enjoy my life right now. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I needed to do something that would let me get to the life that I wanted to get to. And my life that I want to get to is to where I can do what I want, when I want, where I want, with who I want, however I want. And I don't want to have to, you know, whenever my wife and I, we decide we want to have kids, I want to be able to like be home, put my kids on the school bus, be there whenever my kids get home. Like my dad, he, whenever I was younger, he worked at a factory for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. Then afterwards he'd go lay carpet after he got off of work for two, three hours, he'd get home eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, get to see him for like an hour or so, two hours, whatever. And he just worked his ass off and yep. he like, he did everything he could to give us an amazing life. And he did. I mean, we, we, we never wanted for anything, but he worked his ass off for it. And I commend him for it. And that's one of my, one of my other big whys of why I want to do all of this is because I want, cause he's getting a couple years away from retirement, two and a half years, something like that. And if the stock market and 401k and everything keeps going the way it is, like his 401k is going to look like crap. And so I want to be able to help him get to where he's, you know, getting some cash flow in retirement and, being able to retire and enjoy his life the way that I want him to. And that's, that's one of my big, big whys that I want to be able to provide for them. Love it. Awesome. Well, how can our listeners get a hold of you? 
Uh, just started on Instagram recently. I, I took forever to finally get on. I don't know why. I just only did Facebook. My wife, she finally convinced me. So just David Rosenbeck uh, on Instagram. Yeah. And so that's that's where I listened to the Bigger Pockets episode where it was Brandon Turner talking about like creating his machine and saying like you need to tell people what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I'm going to try and do is um, in the next, you know, five months or so, something like that, just try and post stories of the last 18 months because, you know, we've had all kinds of stupid stuff that's happened and, you know, rookie mistakes and whatever and, like, just basically try and document our journey. If nothing else, it would be cool to look back on because we bought the Intention Journal, my wife and I, whenever it first came out. And, like, one of our first things we – it was probably about a year ago. We were in Indianapolis. We just did, like, a little weekend away and trying to, like, figure out what we wanted to do. And our uh, first thing that we ever wrote inside the Intention Journal was wholesale one property, (laughs) buy one rental – and that was, we wanted to do that in the next 90 days. And then we were going to go to Europe. Haven't gone to Europe, but we got a rental. Nice. We didn't wholesale a property in the 90 days, but we, we wholesaled a property. And so it's just cool to look back on stuff. So I think yeah. that's what my, my next plan is going to be. I want to document some more stuff. That's awesome. Awesome. This uh, podcast has also also been brought to you by this gnarly fly that was like flying around <laughs> the entire time we were doing this podcast. I don't know where he's at now, but he, he was featured in this one. Uh, what do you have any final thoughts for our viewers? I don't think so. Other than just like, just go for it, man. Like there, there's so, uh, there's a quote that I shared today on Instagram is from, uh, the Rachel, I don't know what her last name is. She's money, honey, Rachel. She wrote a couple different books. It's more like um, women's money management, but she was on bigger pockets a couple different times. And it was basically saying like the risk of you investing you know there is risk there but the risk of you not investing is a guarantee that you're going to work your nine to five till you're at least 65 if not probably 70 by the time we actually get there and so which risk are you willing to take i'd much rather take the risk of investing buying things maybe going bankrupt maybe making a bad decision maybe doing something stupid but then hopefully you're being able to recover from it. I've got the luxury of having a job that should hopefully always be there, like the need for it. But the alternative of me like being worried about the risk of all the other things is I'm just going to do it forever. And I don't want to do that. And so the risk certainly outweighs the reward. So just do it, get into it, get your hands dirty. You're going to screw stuff up. Like my, my first rental, I bought the college house. I called Bobby, like, I don't know how many times in that first week, basement flooded two times in that time. And he, <laughs> whenever he answered the phone, he said, no, I told him that it flooded. He busted up laughing. He said, welcome to being a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> so, but still, I look back on it and laugh now. It was worth it. It was terrible at the time. It seemed like this was a bad idea, but no, take the risk. Go for it. You heard it, guys. David said, take the risk. Buy the $5,000 mastermind if you yes. have to. Yeah, absolutely. Buy the course. <laughs> <laughs> Buy that mastermind. Yep. Well, yeah, well, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. See you guys on the next one. <laughs>